Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is Stewsdays. Uh, now now quickly becoming Stwensdays because we uh, we seem to be missing the, the Tuesday taping every week, Stu. I know. We're, we're, we almost need a nickname for every day of the week. Uh, we've been a little random recently. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's uh, – <laughs> I don't know if we can do that because uh, your, your your parents named you Stu. And then I think <laughs> okay. it only works with Stewsdays unless, unless your middle name is uh, well, Weddle or something like that. <laughs> Pardon the pun, but my mom would be happy with Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, we, 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 we may end up doing it some of those days because we, we're, we're, we're pretty busy right now. We, we, had the, uh, we were at a great event together yesterday. All kinds of fantastic speakers talking about uh, the global economy, markets, everything that's going on. Because, of course, it's a very, very, uh, very, very uncertain time, I think, might be the best way to... Uh, to say it, and, and we plan to have a discussion about some of what we discussed yesterday with the audience, some of what we heard from from the other speakers. Uh, but in the middle of, uh, I guess, our presentations, Stu, when we when we were up on stage together, uh, one of the uh, the Fed board members came out and said some things that really roiled markets. And uh, maybe we can we we can you you can go through what she said uh, and how it kind of changes the uh, the backdrop, or at least. The the, the 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 what the Fed is saying anyway, not necessarily what they're doing, but changes what they're saying. And then if they follow through, what does it look like? Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a great point. Like So so uh, Governor Brenner came out and talked about the end of, uh, you know, quantitative easing was going to end. And then quantitative tightening is when the Federal Reserve starts to sell some of the fixed income securities that they've purchased over the last two years. So they have a variety of U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and a variety of things in their in their inventory. And not only are they likely to raise interest rates, but they're also likely to sell some of those securities, which should put some upward pressure on yields. And, um, you know, so the, the remarks yesterday are probably worth putting into context of kind of the last two years of COVID because, you know, when, when COVID struck and the kind of the message was, from the central bank was that we do not want what happens in financial markets to magnify the impact that was going to happen in the real economy. Yeah. And, you know, the Fed's dual mandate is unemployment and inflation. And, you know, they thought that COVID was going to be a depressing uh, event from a pricing standpoint. They were going to allow, they were going to buy assets to uh, preserve asset pricing and hopefully preserve unemployment. Or preserve employment, rather. Employment, yeah. Fast forward to today where, uh, you know, we had a very strong uh, employment report last Friday from uh, the non-farm payroll. And we've had a string of them. So you have the unemployment rate at very low levels relative to where it has been, which allows the Fed to then focus more on the second part of their mandate, which is inflation. And what they're kind of telling you now is that we're willing to risk some of the economic activity because we're not as worried about employment at this juncture to to tamp down inflation. Yeah. And, um, you know, the debate uh, around how much of inflation is transitory and how much of it is, uh, you know, more permanent is is lengthy. Uh, you know, we certainly know that there's parts that are transitory, like used car pricing up 50 percent, you know. There's a handful of categories that that uh, are not likely to repeat it themselves at those levels, but you know any central banker, especially when they have the luxury of very low levels of unemployment, 
is going to make sure that it doesn't get uh, into expectation, longer term inflation. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, while in the short term, some of their actions cause volatility, we all want long term inflation expectations because it, the economy can function at a better level if inflation is predictable. Asset pricing is, is more protected. The terminal value of asset pricing is more protected sure. in, a, in a lower level of inflation. So, so yesterday's news just uh, really reminded people that the Fed has a number of tools at their disposal, higher interest rates, and uh, as, as they start to sell the inventory of, of fixed income securities that they've built up, uh, that's another way for them to uh, affect uh, less accommodation in, uh, in the financial markets. Um, you know, we look at, uh, you know, so we, there's kind of three ways that you look at that. You know, the first is, you know, where is, where have risk-free rates gone? And, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, those uh, rise fairly uh, dramatically in the last, you know, six months, but off very low levels, you know, so you still have a a 10-year bond that, you know, sitting here today around 2.6%. You know, the interesting thing from an inflation standpoint is the 30-year bond sits right on top of it at like 262. Yeah. So that really says that there's not a long-term inflation problem that the market's worried about. Then you have spreads, which have widened a little bit. Uh, and then you have equity markets where uh, they have bounced. Uh, we talked about this last week, where they have bounced off of uh, the levels from a couple of weeks ago. And they're not at highs, but they're also at levels that uh, you know don't necessarily anticipate a, a slowdown in the economy. Um the last caveat on that point is that within the markets, like uh, in terms of where leadership has come, uh, based on you know some of this Fed activity, is you have started to see the defensive sectors do uh, quite well. That is like telecommunications, consumer staples, utility stocks. Those have been the leadership in the last couple of weeks as people have uh, digested uh, some of the um, you know some of the words from the Fed. And meanwhile, uh, some of the more economically sensitive names, particularly not the ones that are basic materials. And yes. you know, that's a whole different uh, you know, kind of discussion at this juncture. But things like housing, uh, some areas of semiconductors, some areas of consumer discretionary, the stock market has worried uh, about their earnings prospects, either due to higher interest rates, higher energy prices a little bit at the margin. So... You know, you see, you see the, the the market at its absolute level, um, not like fully pricing in, you know, some type of concern. But underneath it, we're starting to we're beginning to see it. You know, I think, you know, there's always the movement, and you know, we're constantly rerunning scenario analysis on every business. What does this business look like if things are firing in all cylinders? What does this thing? What does this business look like in a bit of a downturn? Um, while we've seen these businesses correct, I wouldn't say that they've corrected to like. Uh, you know, all out, uh, you know, cheap levels. They they are they're correcting to pretty reasonable levels in the context of interest rates. But um, you know, that's some of the activity that we've seen in the market uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it was quite stark the reaction. If you look, uh, if you look at just the way stocks were moving yesterday afternoon, uh, and then as soon as that uh, that announcement was made or released, uh, you saw a real divergence in in some stocks continued to 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 go up. Many many stocks sold off and 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 went down. It was and, and you're seeing a continuation of that today. We're we're, we're taping this on uh, on Wednesday, uh, April sixth. So, uh, Stu, I, I just wanted to go back uh, just for the benefit of some of the new listeners. We've got a lot of new listeners who are joining us, and thank you for 
everyone who's uh, who started listening to us regularly. Uh, we're really happy with the uh, with the growth we're seeing in in the audience. But for the benefit of, of new listeners, because we've talked about quantitative easing on on previous uh, episodes of the podcast, uh, so quantitative easing is when the Federal Reserve is in buying bonds in the market. So what that does, the supply's kind of fixed. The, the increased demand, of course, pushes up the price of the bonds, and that actually brings the yield down. There's that inverse relationship between the price of the bond and the uh, and the yield to maturity. So now, when the when the Federal Reserve starts to say they're going to start selling those bonds instead of buying, now again you've got that supply. Now the demand goes down, and that pushes pricing down, so yields go up. And, and that's one of the things we talked about. Uh, we talked about with Derek Lascelles last week. We've talked about with uh, with with several guests on 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 the podcast about this whole idea that when the Fed was in buying, particularly longer term bonds, they were artificially suppressing that part of the yield curve. And while they had full control over raising the short end, and so this this inversion of the yield curve is a little bit different this time than previous times. Anyways, I, I thought I just uh, I thought I'd just throw this in. Uh, one of the questions I really loved from yesterday that I thought you did a spectacular job with, uh, and the and the audience did too, uh, was we 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 talk about where the value is in the market, just as as you went through and what's had the positive reaction, and just in terms of the composition of those stocks, it just seems to scream Canada, right? And 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 so if we look at the U.S. market. The S&P 500 is about 30, a little over 30% technology. The Canadian market, you look at financials, you look at uh, energy mining stocks, about 50% of the, the, the TSX, a little bit more than more than that. So again, just, just screams Canada. So you're the co-head of North American equities at RBC Global Asset Management. So U.S. or Canada, and is that even the right question? Yeah, that's another that's another great point. I when when you know canada had its its very glorious period uh, during you know coming out of the tech bubble and um you know that was a period where there were multiple cylinders uh firing for the canadian stock market you had a very attractive valuation when you began um you had uh, a a level of leverage in the canadian consumer that was below average and you know was really at a at a state where it could expand which was fantastic for uh, domestic banking businesses. You had China entering the World Trade Organization, which was fantastic for a variety of our commodity businesses. Um, and and you know the the combination of a very you know strong domestic economy with these additional sources uh, were very very powerful uh, for the TSX uh, for probably five or six years. Today um, you have you have tailwinds in a lot of these sectors, um, but it's a little bit different than last time. So when we have a discussion around the Canadian banks, you have fantastic capital levels, you have a kind of average valuations, you have the benefit of higher interest rates to come, but you also have a Canadian consumer that is more levered than they were uh, in the last decade. So the ability to take on you know new loan growth is not as high. You need to see a switch towards commercial lending and eventually, uh, with higher energy prices and maybe higher interest rates, you also have to begin to worry about slightly higher provisions for credit, although we think that's farther out. Uh, you know, still not a bad setup in, in any stretch of the measure, but not quite as robust as it was in the 2000s. Um, on the basic materials front, you have uh, some very strong demand likely to come from the electrification of the global economy. 
But that's not an all material story. That's a little bit more, uh, you know, copper uh, and some others uh, uh, oriented. And then on the energy front, you, you know, you've had this, this uh, you know, big change in supply overnight due to the tragic events in the Ukraine, which is benefiting uh, Canadian energy now. You have decarbonization uh, plans to come, which, uh, you know, will keep Canadian oil uh, hopefully uh, in the mix for some period of time. So you could have an elongated uh, cycle, but you also, you know, you always worry when you see high prices and you have politicians that, uh, you know, are looking at, you know, some of the cash flows in different industries. Um, you know, has it been too far too fast and will will something happen on that front? Uh, you know, too early to tell. I don't I don't think that's a, a, a major concern here uh, right now, but it's something that we're thinking about. Um, you know, so we tend to think about, you know, Canada versus the U.S. as, as not a not the question in and of itself. It's more uh, some Canadian stocks, some U.S. stocks, uh, you know, because the tailwinds and the headwinds are more stock specific or sector specific than they are one big market versus the other. Um, you know, when you when you think about, you know, finding technology opportunities or healthcare opportunities, there's just an abundance of those in the United States uh, relative to uh, relative to what's available domestically. And, and that's that's the benefit of, of uh, managing money uh, on a North American mandate instead of just Canada or the U.S. And, uh, you know, going back to your your mom being proud of you, that had to be a big moment for her when you moved from Canada to North America. That's a big, uh, that was a big promotion. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I know it happened many years ago. My, my mom got very excited when we went from being an asset manager to a global asset manager. Her friends uh, was pretty, pretty good around the, uh, the, at the tea parties when they, when they had those conversations. So I'm, I'm sure your mom was the same. Yeah. The, the, the first thing that comes to mind for my mom is her rubbing her fingers together. If I was complaining about something and saying, this is the smallest violin in the world playing just for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, all, all joking aside, the thing we've always got to remember is how, uh, how fortunate we are uh, here in, uh, here in Canada or, or, or North America overall. So Stu, thanks. Uh, thanks as always. Look forward to us. I'll see you tomorrow in, uh, in Montreal where we'll, uh, we'll get up on stage again. Thanks. Uh, thanks as always. Great. Thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.